Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode number 128, If I Could Do It All Again, recorded March 18th, 2013, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. Sorry to be away for uh, for a week last week, guys, but uh, as we were talking about before the show, uh, Sean's family was the, the sicko family Robinson last week. <laughs> Right. Are you feeling better, brother? Actually, I'm still a little uh, like, you know, I, I wondered earlier today if I was going to be puking right now. You know, my stomach's still doing uh, in sort of it, it's been an off and on thing, too. But uh, yeah, earlier today I was I was feeling it. And uh, and I thought, oh, gosh, I hope I'm not, you know, again this this evening. And, uh, you know, I feel it a little bit, but I'm I'm all right. You know, it's, Whatever you do, mute the mic. We we right. don't want to cause thousands of people across the country just to, to simultaneously vomit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, I, yeah, I mean, I got over it uh, for, I guess, the latter part, middle to latter part of last week, and then uh, my kids got it, and, and now uh, ever since, like, this morning, I'm feeling like I have it again, and I'm thinking no this can't be uh so i guess but you know like we like we were saying you know when you're you're catching puke from your kids and hands and uh, i guess there's a chance you're gonna get something back i don't know i've always heard that you couldn't get a virus like twice uh no not necessarily uh you can get the same virus you know your body didn't quite like you never got over it is what it came Okay, for, yeah. You know? And that might very well be the case. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I have heard of people getting like the mumps twice or the chicken pox twice where, uh, you know, the it, a different strain of it or something like that. It, it doesn't happen often. But generally, once your body fights back a virus, you're good. But uh, interesting little known fact that has nothing to do with technology. People <laughs> live with, with illnesses pretty much their whole lives. But a healthy immune system is able to fight those back. And that's why when you get tired, you get sick. Right, you didn't get sick. You've been sick, but when right. you when you're exhausted and you run yourself down, your body doesn't have the energy to fight back that virus or that bacteria that it's been fighting for the last twenty years, and you get sick, and then you get you know you get over you rest you you have fluids and the whole thing, and then you get better, but you never actually get over that thing. You're just better right. at fighting it back. Interesting. I you know what that completely makes sense though because that so often happens to me. Right. I'm chugging along, feeling fine, whatever. Then you have like a horrible couple of days where you're not getting any sleep or something. You know, you're working a lot or you're doing a lot of extra running around and you kind of run yourself down. And Next thing you know, you're sick. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and then there's when you get to college and you, you, for the first time, you're on your own and you can't get up in the morning because you're sick. Then you call being tired sick. <laughs> right, right. I'm sick again. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're not sick. You're tired. Get over it. Uh, we've all been through that. I remember one of my favorite stories to tell is a, a, college, a young college friend of mine after I had a couple of kids was complaining about uh, he'd, he'd stayed up all night the night before or whatever. He said, you know, I'm, I'm really tired. And I said, complaining to a parent of toddlers or infants or anybody who's ever been a parent about being tired is like grumbling to an Ethiopian that you missed lunch. You don't know what tired is until you've had a couple of kids. Right, right. Yeah, that is the truth. Because there's really not any option. Like, you know, you can say, oh, I don't want to feel like going to class today or whatever. Once you have kids, that's just that's not an option. I mean, even if you're sick, you're sick, you're puking, breakfast still has to be made, you that's know? Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it does. It does uh, put a you know a whole new angle on uh, uh, what you can do when you're feeling bad. Well, let's move on to some brighter topics. Wow, um, I see that we don't have any news links this week. I guess you decided we didn't need any, or you just didn't get around to doing any. Now, you know, I looked, and the only thing that I saw out there that was interesting to me, and that's probably only interesting to me and maybe a few other people, was that, uh, you know, Samsung released the Galaxy S4. Well, announced it. It's not actually out yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, whatever. They, well, I don't know. They're talking as if it's a release. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't even read up on it because I was like, eh, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get it. So, 
um, aside from that. And really, if if I read anything, it was that they're still kind of bashing it a little bit because it's their their premier phone and yet they still you know build it with a lot of plastics and stuff so while it looks cool and it works great um you know it still kind of is it feels has a little bit of a cheap feel to it i mean as opposed to like if you an iphone or something like that so you know i kind of agreed with that although i could really care less you know all i care is you know what what does it do does it work um so yeah. Other than that, it's kind of a quiet week. I know uh, we had what CBIT was that last week, Mark? Uh, two weeks ago now, maybe even three. The uh, yeah, I guess it was the week before last. That we we and that's kind of uh, that's you know interesting in that I'm not all familiar, all that familiar with CBIT, but uh, we have a listener that's going to uh, come on the show. Is that all right? That's the plan. Next week, uh, a fellow who goes by the name of. Uh, wise ace in our uh, chat room and forums uh, is going to be joining us. He is uh C-Bit is in, in Germany. It's funny. He sent me an email saying, how uh, are you guys going to be covering C-Bit or going to it? And I said, I don't know what that is. And he, and he said, Oh, that's right. You're not German. Yeah. I forget that. Uh, you know, I, he said, I listen to you every week and you, I just assume that your life is the same as mine. But uh, so he just said he he went, uh, and CBIT is, uh, they say, the world's largest or second largest, something like that, technology fair. Um, obviously very Eurocentric since it's in Germany. Uh, but he sent back some interesting uh, things. It's sort of their version of CES is the way I, I took it. Uh, right. But I, I told him, hey, you go, you do the homework, we'll put you on the show. So he's going to come next week at about 2.30 a.m. his time. And do an interview with us. That's dedication right there. Um, nice. And so, it's been a while since we had somebody from overseas on the show. It has been. Those are hard, yeah. those are hard to line up. Yeah. And I think I, I think he's going to actually be doing the interview via his uh, uh, iPad because he doesn't okay. have good broadband, but he's got the 4G or whatever the European equivalent of that is, iPad. So that'll be interesting to see how that works out. Yeah, I saw him email and say something like his his internet connection is like five twelve k. Right. <laughs> so, uh, wow. And here we are. We're you know we're complaining about uh, I only have twenty megs right. up and down. <laughs> it is not one world, as Paul Harvey used to say. Uh, so you have here. Uh, we we mentioned the last time we were together. Uh, our mutual friend and uh, and uh, a former student of mine. I've known him uh, half his life uh, by the name of Johnny. And uh, you were talking about um, his music and his you know uh, uh, preferences. And he apparently you got every bit of it entirely wrong. Yes. Yeah. Well, so says he. Right. It's funny because uh, I told him. You know, I, I'm not one you know, that's real big about talking behind somebody's back. So I told him, you know, that I had mentioned him actually quite a bit on the show. We had talked about him and and he says, oh, yeah, you know what? And I said, oh, well, you can you know, listen to the show and you can hear all about it. And he comes back the next morning and says, I have a bone to pick with you. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, Mr. Johnny, who is all kinds of, it seemed like, I don't know, Mark, uh, you tell me if I'm wrong or not, but it was, seemed like he was all kinds of proud about all the free stuff he gets <laughs> off the internet. And now that we put it on show, he's backtracking. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, I haven't he, done that in years. He <laughs> doesn't want the feds to come knock down his door. Right, right. <laughs> so... So anyway, yeah, he filled me in. He's, and I, so I told him, I said, I will, I'll put a retraction out there or at least correct the situation. So I told him. So he says, yeah, he hasn't torrented or any of that kind of stuff in years. Um, and that uh, uh, he didn't like my term because I think it was me that used it. Maybe it was you, Mark, but I think it was me that said something about he doesn't have a problem ripping off music. <laughs> no, that was you. Yeah, that was, that was like yeah. your exact words. He had no problem ripping off everybody. Right. So, uh, yeah, so he was, uh, not too crazy about that. So I, I will, uh, I, I will apologize, Johnny, for my, my use of the term rip off. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, he, I put in the notes that he was, he will delete any unpaid for content. Cause he did admit to having some stuff and he's like, but I don't even listen to that stuff anymore, you know? And, 
everything that I like and, and music I like and everything I've paid for and, and uh, whatever. And so, uh, but he actually told me today cause he had like a Terra station full of stuff. And, uh, so I, you know, I haven't done it in years, but I have a Terra station full of stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but it's Either all way, old stuff. Yeah. He told me, and it, Mark, you know, cause this has been the, the poor guy. He had to live with you for however long, what, I don't know, six, nine months, however long he worked for you. Uh-huh. And I know your stance on that type of stuff. So I'm sure he was hearing from you daily. And then, uh, and then I've been riding him about it too. And, uh, he finally gave in, uh, maybe it was just because we outed him in public, but, <laughs> but yes, he is, he has deleted all that stuff. And, uh, the, the world is right again. Yeah. We had many conversations, you know, the, the uh, and I don't know if we had mentioned on the show, but he's a musician. You know, he used to play guitar in a band, and they had actually released some some CDs and stuff like that. And so we had that conversation several times. And I figured, Mark, you and him probably did even more so because you were also in a band. I was never in a band, um, but I just seems to me logical that if you're in a band and you're doing this in the hopes of you know becoming popular and making money someday, that you're not going to appreciate somebody, you know, stealing your music essentially. Right. Um, By the way, I just have to point out. Uh, you know, since Microsoft bought Skype, they've done a number of uh, changes at the back end, and, and there have been a number of updates. And one of the, the features I'm not quite so happy about is their new time compression, the way they're doing things. So you broke up just for a minute there, and you oh, you went really slow Rude. like that, yeah. like like Skype tends to do. And then when your connection came back, you started talking like a chipmunk, and you're going really, really quickly like that. And then, so we got every word you said, but you sounded like Alvin there for a minute. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> so it wasn't so, you just like playing with the board or anything. Yeah, so I just want people to know Sean has not uh, started uh, attending auctioneer school. That was a <laughs> Skype artifact. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, I wanted to put that in there. Um, and then I also just wanted to uh, – so i've got that. kids in the room with him there in case you didn't <laughs> didn't get that fighting over an ipad uh but uh and then i also wanted to throw out there because i didn't give uh, credit where credit was due and johnny does turn me on to a lot of new things out there on the net he's younger guys he's out there poking around on the internet a lot more than i am and uh uh he was the one i don't know if i mentioned it but you know i had mentioned in our last show uh fan hatton which was the uh, the tip of the week, and uh, Johnny turned me on to that, so I do want to tell Johnny, thank you very much for that. And then Johnny, after listening to the show, this is the all Johnny show, by the way. Have you noticed? <laughs> uh, after listening to the show, uh, Johnny told me, uh, corrected me on Spotify that they do have, uh, I guess, sort of radio esque sort of channels, very much like Pandora where you'll put in a song apparently and it will play other music similar to that. Um, I, I had as of yet to try anything like that. Um, I've again, only familiar with their, uh, you know, you either create your own playlist or some follow somebody else's playlist, but, um, yeah, apparently it has that functionality too. So wanted to throw that out there. I got the Pandora email just this week. Uh, the, you have used, uh, 50% of your 40-hour allotment, and uh, when you run over, we will cut you off until the beginning of next month, or you can buy. See, I don't listen to Pandora a lot, but as I've mentioned before, my kids have tablets, my two oldest ones, and they log into Pandora, Pandora with my account. you got to be 13 or older to have pretty much an account anywhere on the web these days, thanks to uh, the federal government. Um and so they use my account, and they they listen to uh, have created stations and stuff. But anyway, uh, so since both of them are doing it pretty heavily, my my middle one, for example, likes to fall asleep at night listening to Pandora. So it runs for you know six, seven, eight hours until uh, she gets up, or until I, th- I think Pandora used to cut it off after a while, but I don't think they do that anymore. So they're trying to encourage people to to pay for it instead. So I got the first right. email. The, oh, by the way, this isn't unlimited anymore, and just so you know, you're about to hit the limit. So we've got, that was on the 15th, so literally halfway through the month, I'm I'm almost uh, three quarters of the way through my 
allotment. So my kids are going to have to to be Pandora-less for a while because um, I'm not paying for it just so they can sleep with, with Pandora running. Right, right. <laughs> well, um, I, you know, turn them on to the free free Spotify. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it works. Uh, the, the issue with Spotify f- in, for kids is the interface is not nearly as point and click. I mean, uh, Pandora, right. you just you say that's my station, go. Uh, and right. Spotify is not like that at all. Yeah, and that's uh, I, I've seen the same with with my daughter. She's kind of the same way. She um, she uses it only because I've sort of migrated her toward that, and I've created some playlists on there for her. Um, but it's it, like you said, yeah, it's not quite as point and click as, uh, as Pandora was. So, uh, and you know, we're, we're making, we, they have their own library of CDs, you know, Lori Burtner and, and the kids stuff. And I can always put that on their tablets, but, uh, you know, anyway, it's not a big deal. I just thought we mentioned it the last time we were on the air and then it affected me personally before the next time we were on the show. Right. right. <laughs> All right. So let's so we, jump straight into the topic. Um, yeah. The title, if I could do it all again. Uh, Sean and I were having a discussion, um, I don't know, at some point uh, off the air, uh, off the bits. Uh, and we um, were talking about, you know, we've mentioned uh, in the show a number of times the, the school where I used to work and, and where Sean now works has uh, an innovative uh, system of desktop uh, computers and when we got to talking about in you know in the the modern context, if we had to do it all again, would we do it the same? Thought it would be an interesting discussion to have on the show because um, you know I'll just to run some numbers. Uh, we began the initial planning of that that campus in 2005, so that's when I started putting all this stuff together, and, and we finished construction in 2009 that's when the the students moved into it so they've been there four years now uh and it would took almost four years from the time we began to to the planning to uh them moving in so the structure that i created is the better part of a decade old and that seems like a good opportunity to look back and say did this work was it worthwhile and would we do it all again yeah, you know, Mark, just I and I had never really thought of it that way, but just putting it in those terms as far as the planning goes, um, you know, it's kind of a scary thing when you think about a project that's planned that far out in advance when you're talking about technology, you know, that anything you even come up with, whether it's going to be valid on day one is kind of a scary thing, right, as fast as, it, as technology advances. Um and I'll just start off off the top before I really get into details and saying that it, it actually that's what was so great is it, I mean it it might not seem all that innovative on the surface but it really is because nobody else was doing it and uh, at the very least it's it's been a long term solution that really has been very sustainable over a decent amount of time and uh, we'll get into that later but it, for at least the foreseeable future. All right. So let's talk a little bit about that system. Uh, it's uh, the, uh, there were we planned for twenty classrooms uh, due to declining enrollment and and needing to use rooms for other things. Uh, you've got eighteen now in use. There are two that are literally empty, devoid of of furniture right. or computers or anything. They're just storerooms at this point. Um, but we we planned for twenty twenty uh, rooms. And uh, the the computers, on average, have 25 to 28, uh, excuse me, the rooms have 25 to 28 computers. Some of them have up to 32, some of them as low as like 18, um, if, my, if my numbers are still accurate from when I was, was there. Yeah, that's right. And that's why I put in the notes, you know, probably an average of 25 computers a classroom would probably be right. It might be a little bit low, maybe 26, something right. like that. Uh, the, uh, the rooms are designed to hold up to 32 student desktops uh, plus a teacher workstation, so up to 33 computers, and there are 34 network drops in each room. They're uh, uh, CAT6 to the desktop. Um, in a star topology, there's two. There's a main uh, data feed and, uh, and, um, and uh, 
a smaller secondary feed that they all uh, tie into, and those two feeds are tied together by fiber. So it's it's a gigabit throughout right now. Easily could go 10 gigabit or even 100 gig over that uh, Cat6 cable. And there are a couple of wireless access points, but that's just to handle people walking around with their iPhones and their laptops. It's just, I mean, I literally there are a couple, three, four maybe. Um, it's just not a big deal because we didn't need it. We were so invested right. in copper. Is that, would you say that's a, a still a, a valid yeah, I, uh, state I, assessment? That, that is, I just added a, uh, I just added a high speed access point in the gym, which is, you know, we're talking the indoor gym. That's uh, part of this building, uh, because it was one of those dead zones and people would complain about the fact that their, their phone wouldn't connect to the internet in the gym. So I threw one in there. Um, but that's about it really. I mean, everything else is, is for the most part unchanged. Yeah. But the structure is such that you, you really could only support maybe a hundred wireless devices, you know, active at one time. You, it's not a robust wireless infrastructure, but that's not what it's intended to be. You literally can't walk more than 20 feet without stumbling over uh, a t an RJ45 jack. So that was sort of the plan. Right. Put copper everywhere and not worry so much about uh, wireless. Yeah, we've, we've had that discussion many times in the past, Mark, where it's like, you know, maybe at some point in the future, wireless will be, you know, really robust enough. But, you know, you see these these uh, districts and companies who try to support a very robust wireless system where they want to support a lot of devices. And it's it's still today is, is a struggle to manage and and get the, you know, the bandwidth out there and have it be reliable and everything else. And I mean, I agree with you, Mark you're always going to be better off wired uh, because you're always going to be able to carry more data that way. Um, unless there's some new technological advance that, you know, we haven't seen yet, but as things stand today, uh, you know, you're always going to be better off with a wire I, other than the fact that you're connected, right. you know, physically. So let's talk a little bit about the history of the project, how it came to be and, and what it was. So in 2005, uh, we began the process of of building a new high school to replace our uh, 85, I think, year old at the time, uh, high school building that uh, was built by the like in the 20s by the Public Works Administration. Yeah, say that again. <laughs> the ancient Incans. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> it was actually one of the pyramids of Giza that we just moved out there. Um, right. But it was uh, so it was time for something new. Uh, we were a very technology-centric um, uh, um, organization even then, uh, and our students were that we had two dedicated technology uh, uh, teachers, I don't know a better way to say it, that, that all they did for all, uh, all every class every day was teach a te technology class, and we were running kids through those. So if teachers needed to do any... Uh, other research or to or use computers, those labs weren't available because they were filled up every period uh, with you know core curriculum stuff. So when the new um, building came about, we decided that we had to have four computer labs. Five would be ideal, but we had to have four. We just simply could not function with less than four computer labs, um, which you know. It seems like a lot for a school our size, but we were doing a lot with technology, and uh, and we really uh, wanted to push it. the The administration at the time was very pro technology, and we were the school board and the community uh, were all very um, um, excited about the opportunities uh, that it would afford our students. So we wanted to push forward with that. So I started looking at okay, so we're going to build a regular high school, and we're going to put five computer labs in it. Well, computer labs. Um, just the brick and mortar, just to build them and put 25 computers in five labs, uh, was going to cost uh, $721,000 and some change. Uh, so that's, you know, in addition to the rest of the building, whatever the building was for all the classrooms and all the gyms and all of that, um, we were going to add $720,000 uh, to put in those five computer labs and put 25 computers each in them. Right. So I went in search of alternative solutions. Uh, my original plan was to use thin clients uh, to save uh, costs there. But um, 
That ended up not happening, um, largely for political reasons, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I, I came up with an idea. I said, you know what? We're building these 20 classrooms already. That's a fixed expense. They're already going to be there. Whether we have computer labs or not, they're going to be there. What would happen if we turned those into computer labs and we take that $700,000 that we were going to spend to put five additional rooms with computers in it and put it into turning those machine, those, those labs, those classes into labs. I call them class labs. So, you know, as you have to do uh, with anything like that, when you're spending public money, there were all kinds of town hall talks. And, and again, again, this, this took years to, to, uh, flesh out. Uh, and I came up with a, a design and, and the idea was how are we going to make the rooms functional? If you put particularly, you know, a little freshman guy who stands five feet tall, you put him at a desk, you put uh, a desktop PC on the desk. And remember this is 2005, these things were big back then. You stack right. a monitor on top of that uh, and, and, and the kid can't see the teacher and the teacher can't see the kid. So that wasn't a viable solution. Uh, there were a couple of companies at the time who were um, innovating and experimenting with uh, computers in the desk designs. There was there was design uh, where there was the uh, a glass section of the desk and a computer sat inside it, re- recessed. Have you seen those, Sean? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah the the yeah kind of sat up under the glass at an angle and right. you'd be basically looking down, kind of chin in right. your chest. Which yeah. is, you know, which is comfortable when you read. That's how you read. So it's a good design, but it, it's a classroom management nightmare because you can't, nobody but the person looking, sitting at the desk can see what's on the computer. The teachers immediately said, no, we can't have that. We would never know what the kids are doing. Um, right. We would never be able to manage the use. No. And this is before anybody knew anything about ITALC or anything right. like that. I mean, there were, there were solutions, but uh, even so, those are... You know, they, they're just not as good as eyes on, on, on the student. And also, they wanted to be able to have eye contact with the student. I don't want them looking down at a desk all the time. Uh, and then, you know, we had done some research on, on that particular model, and there were some longevity issues. Uh, those those uh, glass tops got scratched up to the point where you, you couldn't see through them easily. Um, so it was a real issue. And there was another company that was making a pop-up design where you push a button and the computer literally pops up out of the desk. Uh, and that was a, a good design. We brought in a couple of those models um, to to look at, and all the only thing we had to do uh, to re- decide that wasn't for us was we had one of our shorter women teachers uh, leaning over the the desk as she would if she were trying to help a student, and a wise guy coach pushed the button. The computer popped up and busted her in the chin, and we realized that's going to happen. Especially once right. they realize they can do that, um, so that design went out for that reason as well. And also, it was it was a fairly complex design. There were a lot of moving parts, and we we were concerned about the longevity of it. So I took matters into my own hands and found a uh, custom uh, computer uh, uh, furniture manufacturer there in the Dallas area uh, that was making a product kind of like what I wanted already, and said, "Look, if we order hundreds of these." Will you design them for us? You know, will, will you let me invent something? Uh, so that was a pretty cool process. I got to work with uh, with engineers, and and we went round and round. We had some prototypes, and they delivered them, and we decided, uh, you know, this this is good, this is not so good, and in the in the end, we invented a custom desk that that uh, their team of engineers and I, you know, designed, and it's a flip top design. The uh, the there's a hang down. Um, computer storage area just like anything else has you just you pop your tower uh right inside there uh and then the the computer the the desk full uh pops up it folds up like uh like opening a book um facing like a laptop cover like a laptop there you go yeah yeah so it's like opening a laptop It, it folds up and there's your monitor mounted to the inside of the desk you pull your keyboard and mouse out of the the hole that the monitor just came out of and boom, the the process of taking your kids to the lab is about ninety seconds while everybody opens up their desks. Uh, the company gave us a lifetime guarantee uh, on the thing. If any at any point 
you know, as long as the company is still in business, they will repair uh, or replace these desks if they get damaged. And I will say they they're five years old now and don't have a scratch on them for the most part. Yeah, they're amazingly built. I mean, those things are going to they'll they'll outlast probably the application. Yeah. So I uh, uh, we were having a town hall meeting. Uh, about that sort of thing and i go 450 i'm six foot five ish and and about 450 pounds and uh a a farmer you know because we're spending farmers monies at this uh, at this point you know this is bond money that we're spending we're we're borrowing against their futures uh and so he said i'm concerned about the the longevity of these desks how long are they going to last so i said well they've got a lifetime guarantee uh and and while i'm speaking i uh, uh step up in the chair and climb my fat butt up on top of the desk. And I'm standing on top of the desk, jumping up and down while I'm telling him about the lifetime guarantee. And he said, that's good enough for me. I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even uh, even the, the hinged top portion, you know, that you might think uh, yeah, might be the You walk on point. that thing. Yeah, it doesn't, not, not a problem at all. Yeah, those yeah. are great desks. Yeah, the uh, uh, the engineer uh, who who the main engineer designed those said they tested those hinges and they got up to ten thousand pounds, and that's as much as the test machine they had could generate. So it wasn't that they tested till failure; they tested till the machine couldn't press anymore. Uh, so they're 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 a, a specially designed compression right. hinge, uh, and it's just it's just a great design, and and ended up being relatively inexpensive. The desk uh, bought in bulk. Uh, came out to about $750 per seat. And if you've ever bought furniture, you know that's not much. That's not bad. Right. Yeah, a little a little bit more, but for what you're getting, I mean, you're certainly, you know, it, it's money well spent. Right. We'll just put it that I way. mean, you can go to Ikea and spend 600 on something you put together made out of particle board. Right. Uh, so uh, in the end, uh, with 20 of these classrooms with an average of 24 computers each, uh, the computers, plus the desks, plus the cost of the additional cost of running Cat Six, plus the switches, the whole process cost six hundred and seventy thousand. Now I told you initially that the the five labs were going to cost seven hundred twenty thousand. So over fifty thousand dollars was saved by doing this. So this is the point at which it became literally a no brainer decision. So we can give our kids access to more computers and save money in the process. Why would we not do this? What are the downsides? Okay, let's say it doesn't it doesn't work. It, it ends up not being a worthwhile thing. Okay, so what? So for the course uh, for the cost of you know about 5 uh, years worth of computers because you're going to get 5 years out of them and and then start worrying about replacing them, you you get more access and you save money. And then even if we decide down the line that this this whole desktop computer in the table thing wasn't worthwhile, we still bought some really nice furniture that's going to last a generation. So it was just there's just no reason not to do it. Uh, and then once we put it together and started living with it, we found that that ease of access, that convenience of having a real powerful computer at your fingertips, literally changed the way we teach. Uh, it it altered the 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 curriculum it altered the the mindset it changed everything just by having access to it much in the same way that people talk about ipads and and things of that nature are doing it now they're changing the way you teach because it's such easy access to computers well i jumped the gun on that by five years and i gave them access to high quality powerful desktop computers um as easy as as opening a a a closet door uh, right. for and saved money in the process. So it was really it was a triumph of common sense is what I like to call it. Well, and, and you know, Mark, we haven't even talked about the computers themselves, but uh, because like you said, I mean, these computers were installed, uh, what, over four years ago, I think. Uh-huh. Um, these were uh, dual core processors, two gigs of RAM, uh, you know, nothing else really spectacular. But The that best you the- could get at the time. Right, and... I'll say they still easily handled the workload of what they had to do. So I think we're, it's interesting that we're kind of getting that point, you know, now 
we're sold more and more on more more RAM and more processor, you know, quad core and and eight cores now. I think I'm hearing, you know, but um, but these dual core two gigs of RAM machines are doing fine for you know what their purpose to do, uh, and, uh, and so you know I'm still now you know the last I I, I bought a set of replacements this year and. Uh, I went with the same specs because I can get it for super cheap now. I can get it for about half of what you paid for originally, and uh, or even less. And uh, and they're still doing doing fine. So you know we were going to talk about how sustainable it is, and and that certainly was a concern up front for you, Mark. Um, and the great thing is, so far the way that's worked out is it's it's highly sustainable um, because you know the older technology that we originally installed is still available, uh, but very cheap. I mean, I can buy one of those computers now for less than I can buy a tablet. Exactly. And they're more powerful than any tablet on the market. So even though they're old technology, they're still more powerful than this, this go-to technology that everybody's excited about. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know, and the same thing will happen. I mean, eventually I'll end up upgrading from those specs um, you know, as quad core processors with eight gigs of RAM, uh, come down in price, like they inevitably will, you know, I buy off lease stuff and, uh, you know, that, that stuff is going to come down to the, the same types of price points. Um, so over time I'll be able to upgrade it. Um, and I guess that's what we really, you know, uh, and Mark stop me if, if we still have more to address there, but, you know, I guess transitioning where that's kind of the point of what we want to talk about is, you know, do we still do that setup today right. if we had to start today, right? You see, we knew all along that sustaining this was going to be the great challenge because we, we had this once in a lifetime opportunity with the, with the bond money that came in and we could buy this, this technology uh, with, with the bonds. But once that's done, you have to be able to support these computers. You have to be able to replace them. Uh, and we, you know, we more than doubled the size of our network with this one uh, purchase. So the question was, what's it going to be like maintaining a fleet of, you know, 1,100 computers now on a tightwad tech budget? How, how are we going to do that? Uh, clearly, you, you will never be able to replace all of those machines at one time ever again. That money's just, it's just not going to happen. Right. Well, that's, that's, that's it exactly is I had looked at that and, and, and thought about that. You know, what would it take me even at the super cheap prices? I'm getting these dual core machines, uh, you know, uh, roughly $230 a, a unit. Um, because I, you know, I already have monitors and keyboards and, and peripherals and stuff. All I need is the CPU. And, uh, so I can get that relatively cheap, but yeah, still you're looking at, you know, 140, 150,000 to replace every machine in the building. And we're, that's nowhere in the universe of being able to be done on our budget. Um, so, right. and so there, there are people out there. I know, you know, who, who, uh, larger schools or larger entities that think a hundred thousand dollars, you know, that's, that's our copy paper budget, but you got to right. understand the, the, what we're dealing with. We're, we're dealing with a community of about 1700 farmers. Uh, that's, that's who we're supporting there. We're supporting the children of farmers. they, Right. They don't make much money, and the money they do make is not taxable. So the money that comes into the school is almost non-existent. Um, I I worked there for 15 years, and the biggest budget I ever had was seventy thousand dollars annually. Uh, it's it's probably about less than half of that now, or, or around that. I'm guessing. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, down to about forty now. Right. So, so I would say that uh, you know the the possibility you're you're talking about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars of computers, that is literally the three years worth of tech budget. If I didn't do any repairs, didn't do any upgrades, didn't maintain anything, it would take three years of of scrimping and saving the the money to re refresh everything all at once. It's just not going to happen. It's not practical. Right. Um, and when you're in a small uh, school like that, the tech budget includes things like uh, printer ink uh, and copier toner. And, you know, everything comes out of the tech budget. If an electron runs through it, it comes out of the tech budget. You know, uh, right. so that that's it becomes really difficult to stretch that. I mean, that's where this show came from, the Taiwan Tech. It's all about stretching a meager, meager, meager budget and making excellent things happen. I would put that 
the experience that the students have at that school up against any school in the nation, nay, in the world. And we did it on a fraction of what many people spend on their technology budgets. Right, right. And we, yeah, I mean, and that's where, you know, I'll, I'll even say because now I'm the one that inherited this, right? And, and we are becoming, we're getting to that point where these machines are now, you know, four years old, going on five years. Um, and, uh, you know, the attrition rate is starting to increase and things like that. So it's something that, you know, I have to manage and watch very closely. And already, and again, so we talk about $40,000 a year budget. Well, you know, just to replace uh, one of the larger classrooms uh, ran me a little bit over $7,000. That's a that's a huge chunk of my budget, right, Um, for one classroom. And I have to worry about uh, 18 classrooms. So I'm already thinking, you know, I replaced one classroom, not necessarily having two at the moment, but in anticipation, because as I have machines go down now, I've I've taken those. uh, This classroom happened to have 30. I've taken those 30 out, put them on the shelf. Now, as other ones go down one at a time out of other classrooms, I can swap them out. So I have sort of that, uh, I have that stock to operate with. And uh, going forward, I'm going to be looking at probably two classrooms a year that I'm going to need to to do that with. Now, one thing I will say is the computers that we put in there originally were not uh, major maker, major name brand computers. And uh, I'm, I'm sort of moving away from that. I'm actually moving toward Dell. Um, and a couple of good reasons there, at least for me and Mark, feel free to comment if you disagree. But, uh, one is there's a ton of them out there for me to get off lease. Uh, so I can get fairly, uh, you know, fairly robust machines that have been lightly used, uh, with good warranties. I'm getting three year warranties on these machines. And, um, uh, and then I have, it's, it's standard. So I know that I can buy Dell. Uh, you know, cause you can find other cheap computers out there, but you know, whether they're going to be, whether you'll be able to buy that same computer two years from now or not is, is the big question. So, oh, I opted to go with the Dells. Uh, I had experience with those at the previous district I worked for too, and was real happy with, uh, you know, with them and, and how easy they were to work on things like that. Um, so that's kind of where I'm shifting and I can get these things cheaply. And I know I can buy the same, you know, the same model next year when I do my purchasing. And, um, and I'm very familiar with, you know, what the next step up model is that I'll be getting, you know, two years from now. Um, so I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah. And I think that's, that's going to be sustainable for a while. There are a few, uh, hitches in the process. One of which is when you, when you have a desk like that, there are certain physical limitations. And one of the limitations is the, the cutout of the size of the opening for the monitor you have to leave so much material on either side of it to make the desk sturdy so you know if you make that hole too big there's just not enough material on the ends and it becomes a flimsy thing and, and again we wanted these to be a once in a generation purchase we, we our goal was to make these last 40 years uh so you 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 have to make them you have to make concessions and one of the concessions is the largest monitor that it will fit in there is a very uh, thin 19 inch um, so you're, you're, you're going to struggle to get a 19 inch monitor in there. Uh, an 18 or a 17 works, uh, works better. Um, and as the market moves forward, it's getting hard to find a 17 inch monitor anymore. Uh, so, and, and we do have those, they just get broken, you know, kids horse playing and, and, uh, they, they, they don't really wear out. Monitors can last a long time without wearing out, but eventually after 10 years or so, the, the bulb burns out or you know they they do wear out and so that's that's a concern i have is being able to find those 17 inch form factors in mass cheaply in the future uh so that that's going to be a problem and that and we knew that going ahead so you know that's one of those things where you you find a fire sale on those things you might want to stock up on them just to to have them on hand at a time um uh, and you know, that's one of the big issues with sustainability. And then there's just the whole mobile world, right? Um, everybody keeps trying to, to proclaim that we're in a post PC era. They've been trying to do that since about 1987. Everybody wants to be in a post PC era. They want to say the mobile and the tablet and the handheld, you know, I remember when Palm declared the PC was dead because their M 100 was going to replace it. Their little black and white LCD model. 
but you know, uh, eventually that day is going to come where the primary computing device isn't going to be a PC. That's not to say the PC isn't won't still be useful, but when that's not the primary device, they're not going to be made in bulk. They're not going to be as as expensive. You're not going to be able to find them off lease because people aren't going to be leasing them initially. So that becomes an issue going down the line. And so the question becomes, if I had to do it all again in 2013, would I do it again? And so that's that's what started this. Uh, it, what, what, it was a good decision. It was the only decision. It was the right decision in 2005. Is it in 2013? So I, I thought I'd let Sean answer that first, and then and then I'll tackle it. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll say, um, you know, I, I thought that was an easy answer up front, and um, and I actually thought it was going to be no, and then the more I thought about it, the more I said, well, yeah, you know, I still would do it that way today. I think the time is a lot closer uh, where maybe you would look at doing that differently, and I think, Mark, you have some specifics as into, you know, how you might do it slightly differently now, but um, I do think... I mean, I think today, if a district really committed to it, they could go with tablets. They really could. But um, one, there'd be, they would have to do quite a bit of adjusting because there would be some things they just couldn't do. And I think they still would, they still would have to have, you know, uh, you know, at least like a computer lab at the high school or something, because there's, there's just some things that you can't really do well on a tablet yet. Um you know, programming. And I hear that, uh, you know, Apple fanboys will tell me, Oh yeah, I program all the time on my iPad, but you know, they're, they're in writing code, you know, when, you know, you can get in and use some GUI stuff, you know, and, 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 you know, you can use Dreamweaver on the, the computer and teach web design and you can't do anything like that quite yet on a, on a tablet. Um, I've Johnny, uh, we're going back to the all Johnny show. Uh, Johnny's developing a website right now for, uh, for a company and he's done it all on the iPad and, but he's writing code. I mean, he's literally typing out code. He's, you know, um, so yes, you can do an amazing amount on tablets. And I think if somebody was to really yeah, dedicate, the, once that it, code is written, he's going to have to compile it somewhere and that's not no, going to no, happen we're on the about iPad. A web, a, a web, a website. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So literally, yeah, just code, just, you know, files, HTML files and, and XML and things like that. But, um, and he's done a great job with it, but you know, that's really advanced stuff and you're not going to go and teach high school students web design by putting them in a text editor, you know? Um, so there would be some things missing there, but I think if a district really committed to it, they could probably pull it off, uh, for the most part. But I, you know, you'd have to have such a buy-in that I don't think, you know, I just haven't seen the district out there that would have the widespread buy-in i think there'd be uh, there'd be some of the old school teachers that would just uh, w- wouldn't deal with it at all and uh so while i think it's doable uh technically i i, I don't think that it's anything that realistically you could pull off now i think this is still pretty much the way to go i think one of the hardest things is as as technology advances as uh the way we uh, learn and process data as the political landscape changes. The idea of building a generational uh, project gets increasingly less possible. Uh, you know, we we um, like I said, the the high school that we evacuated was built in the twenties. That was not only generational; that was multi generational. But not a lot changed there. You know the. Uh, we, you know, we were able to put air conditioning in the building and electricity or initially we didn't even have an electricity and we were able to update that building and that infrastructure, but the rate of change is such now that I don't, I don't know that you can do that anymore. I don't know that you can have that big audacious goal of, of building something that's going to last a generation anymore because you can't even envision what the next generation is going to look like. So right. I think if I were to do it all again, I'd have to put the numbers together and it's got to be one of those things that, like this project was, it gives me an immediate win. It's the right thing to do now and may have benefits in the future. So, you know, if if a week from now they decide to scrap that whole thing at that building, throw all those tables in a pile and make a big bonfire and go with an all beanbag and iPad uh, learning environment, 
it was still the right thing to do because it saved money and gave better access at the time. So if I could put the numbers together and, and look at the, look at it and say, this is a win now that may or may not be sustainable in the future, then I would do it. But if it comes out to be, you know, not a big win or, you know, it's about the same, I don't think I would do it again because the landscape is changing so quickly. One of the biggest complaints we had from teachers from the beginning in the initial planning and still today is that the learning spaces we created for them are static. These are large, multi-hundred-pound desks bolted together uh, and attached to... To the, yeah, to bolted the, together in fours. Right. So it's like a row that's bolted together. They, I mean, we would, when we needed to reconfigure things, we'd have to do an entire row and like slide, remember Marcus, yeah. sliding rows of four desks still bolted together around from classroom to classroom. So the the big thing is the, the teachers always complain that they can't gather the chairs around and sing Kumbaya. Um, and, you know, we created a very static learning space and there's not much room at the front or the back. Uh, the, the tables take up the whole, these are 750 square foot rooms. They're small rooms. Uh, actually, that was the smallest that the Texas Education uh, Agency would let us build. Their, their mandate was they had to be a minimum of 750, and we probably would have gone smaller if, if, if not for that. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the ways that I was able to skirt around this and save money is their minimum size for a lab is 950 square feet. But if it's not a lab, but it's a media-rich classroom, it can be 750 square feet. <laughs> so we saved over 1,000 square feet at 125 or $200 uh, dollars per square foot of construction cost. That was where some of that savings came from. We cheated just a little bit. Uh, but anyway, it, it's a static learning space. And, and you know, all the, the, a lot of the talk now in education is all about empowering students and with giving them uh, creative and flexible learning environments and, and paint all your walls with chalkboard uh, paint and, and let them draw and create and collaborate. Let them create huddles over here and huddles over there and let them make the space whatever they want. Uh, and, you know, the, the efficacy of that is, has yet to be determined. But the, we created a, uh, an environment where it can only be a teacher at the front of the desk and 25 students facing him. And, you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, so I, that's a downside. But at the time, the trade-off was worthwhile. Uh, are we becoming so nimble in our techniques that that isn't sustainable anymore? Sadly, I don't think so. I think an entire generation of teachers is going to have to retire before that model changes because it's still a teacher at the front with the students facing him. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And, I, you know, I know of, we do have one teacher and she's been teaching for, I don't know, 35 years now. Um, those desks don't crack almost ever. Right. So she, you know, she has a classroom set of computers that don't ever, they're never open. And that's just philosophically and the way she teaches, she's not going to change the way she's taught for the last 35 years. They're not cracking those desks. And, you know, while that's, I guess it seems kind of unfortunate. I mean, this is still a, a great teacher who does a great job, you know, teaching her, her subject. Um, but you know, for those desks to get cracked. Yeah. She's, she's going to have to retire. And so I think, I think by the time thing, I think you get another decade and honestly with the political climate in America right now, public schools may not live more than a decade. Uh, you know, that's, that's, let's be honest with that. There's, they've got a big target on their back right now. Budgets are being cut dramatically, uh, and it's going to uh, come to a point where it's just not sustainable anymore. So if I had to do it all again, I'm going to give you a qualified yes. If it was a big win, if I could make myself believe that, uh, it was the right thing to do now without regard to the future, I would do it because I don't think that system lives another decade so what are your thoughts yeah i i agree mark um and those are the things you know when i went to tcea this year uh you're seeing more and more ipad ipad this ipad that you know hey our district just deployed twenty five thousand ipads of course i'm talking about a much larger district but um you you see that movement and that's great and i'm like yeah i can see it going there 
Um, one advantage to, you know, the tablet environment is you pretty much immediately have uh, staff buy-in. Everybody wants right. one. Everybody wants one. Every, yeah, every teacher wants wants a classroom set of them. Uh, the funny thing is, is when somebody wants something that badly, they're so much more forgiving of the things they can't do. I mean, yeah. you know, you don't hear the Apple uh, fanboys and fangirls complain about what they can't do with their with their iPhones and iPads, um, even though there there's a decent size list. Right? <coughs> Flash. <coughs> Excuse me. Right. Sorry. But it's because they they love these devices. They want them. So you know, I one I see that being a a, a big win, like you said, Mark. Um, so if you can move to that sort of environment, you're going to have buy-in. You're going to have people wanting uh, wanting to go that route and willing to. Uh, you know, forgive some of the shortcomings uh, because they want that type of environment. Uh, so I, I certainly see the day where that's coming. And I think, it, you know, like I said, right now, if if you dropped a classroom set on a teacher who was in that mindset, um, they're still going to teach their subject. They're still going to teach effectively. They're going to change the way they teach significantly, but they're going to do so willingly. Um, and, it, you know, uh, you know, then it becomes our challenge is how, how we're going to manage this stuff. And that, that's mostly what I saw at TCEA is great. We've got all these things now, but we can't manage them. And, you know, so it was the network admins that were really having the tough time. The teachers are all about it. It's, it's the people who have to support these devices that are having a hard time. So, you know, I see that, uh, you know, probably a handful of years from now, um, it will be very, very sustainable. Um, I'm kind of hoping to see, uh, you know, price points drop down because, again, the only thing that really stops me right now uh, is the fact that, you know, I can buy a whole classroom set of, you know, robust desktop computers for much cheaper than I can a, a classroom set of, of tablets, um, you know, at least usable tablets. I mean, you know, I can go out and buy $100 tablets that uh, will just be a waste of money. So, um uh, yeah, I think today's coming, but I, I still don't think, like you said, Mark, if I had to do it today, uh, this is still what I'd be going with because it's still working just great. All right. So there you go. Um, not a, not exactly an unbiased presentation. Uh, you know, we both are invested in and, and, and like that system, uh, but I think we gave it a fair shot of the, of the, the pros and cons of it, and, and I think right now, the pros win, you know, the, you never have to charge a desktop. You never have to worry about, you know, Wi-Fi signal with a desktop. You, you, well, and you, you don't have to worry about like, uh, not nearly as much, you know, breakage and, you know, things right. just walking off, throwing legs and walking off. I mean, uh, that's one thing now, you know, when you, when you start seriously considering, uh, any kind of widespread deployment, deployment of tablets or even laptops for that matter, then it's, well, do I buy insurance for these things? I've seen school districts that are requiring parents to purchase the insurance. Um, but it's this whole new set of problems that you just don't have with the desktops. And so I think it's still a no-brainer because it's a lower price point, more powerful machine, and you don't have that all of those problems still. Um, but I think those problems, that you know, those list of problems are going to become shorter and shorter uh, over the next uh, handful of years. Yeah. So check back in five years. We'll have this discussion again. Right. But for now, we're still positive on the desktops. Let us know what you think. You can do that over at elementop.com. Click the contact us link at the top of the page or send us an email if you're an email kind of person. Uh, Mark at elementop.com or Sean at elementop.com. Uh, or if you want to have your own words be uh, on the show in your own voice, you can give us a call at 559-IAM-OP or use the call us, uh, leave us a voicemail widget at the website, uh, elementop.com, and let us know. What do you think? Would you do it? Uh, with with the information we laid out in front of you, um, is it a fool's bet or is it uh, a no-brainer? What do you think? Sean, do you have any uh, parting comments for the week? Um, no, you know, uh, we didn't even really mention laptops. I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, it used to be all about, I want classroom sets of laptops. Right. Remember that just a few years ago, right? Yeah. And now nobody's talking laptops. Yeah. It's just not even a discussion anymore. Right. It's either we have desktops and we, we want tablets 
or you know nobody's asking for laptops anymore right so i thought that was kind of funny i i won that one i declared laptops a non-starter in 1998 and i was vindicated and i was proven right it you know i have laptops at home and they're great but they have no business in wide deployment in schools period and a discussion Yeah, I'd have to agree. And I've, I've seen some widespread deployments of them, but they were, you know, even where I was before. <laughs> Very large school district, a lot of laptops, and uh, yeah, lots of problems. So that's <laughs> all I have. Other than that, uh, uh, I guess I can close this up by saying, uh, as anticipated, Mark, this was another great show. Well, thank you for that vote of confidence. And uh, you even did it in your uh, Alvin the Chipmunk voice. So that made it awesome. Even better. There was a long, uncomfortable pause there. After I said uh, that enough said, and then you started talking like a chipmunk. It was great. It was <laughs> it built up tension, and then there was immediate comedic relief. It was awesome, and that's what makes right. it a great show. So, uh, Sean, <laughs> thanks for being here. Thank you for listening, everybody. And for now, there's nothing more to say. But this is Mark signing off, and Sean signing off.